Well, welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different and counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church thought. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible and this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will talk about this material each week, and we have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Welcome back to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast, where we continue this month on discipleships. And uh, I hope you've been able to enjoy some of the other fruits of this labor. Today, we have a guest, a a co-host here that comes on every now and then. We've got Allison. Allison, welcome. Hi, and I'm I'm Allison with one L. Uh, The Uno Allison. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. right. Um, You've been on a couple times, so we appreciate you coming back. Happy to be here. And of course, we have uh, the real loud boom shakalaka, who is known as Ricky Brooks. Thanks again for pointing that out. Appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're actually going to dive in and, and interview Allison on her journey. And uh, the focus, I think, is going to be on the victories that the Lord wins in our lives. And there is a phrase for the Lord that was used in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that was called Jehovah Nisi, which is the Lord, our banner. And so we're going to focus on this aspect of the Lord today in Allison's life. Allison, uh, are you ready? I sure am. Right on. Okay. So this idea that the Lord is our banner uh, is really that the victory belongs to the Lord, and and he's the one that, uh, we'll say, he's the one that brings the victory, right? Uh, But that comes at a cost of giving up our side of the, the struggle, not necessarily doing nothing, but at the same time, it's not ours to command. So I know you've had quite a few incidents over the past even year and a half that have come up and they've really challenged you in different ways, uh, specifically probably in this way of wanting to fight, fight, fight. And tell us maybe one or two of these incidents, how you had the potential for fighting and maybe you took it a different way. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I would say this past year and a half, but I would say probably last five years, it comes in and goes just simply with being in divorce. That is a difficult circumstance and, uh, can bring its battles, but about a year, a little over a year ago, uh, a situation arised within the divorce where arose, let me use proper grammar here, maybe. Yeah. arose um so about a little over a year ago some information came to the forefront in regards to my son and his safety prompted by god and god alone and quite honestly leading into that everything seemed okay 
Uh, we are co-parenting well, and I did not foresee any circumstances coming. Um, but it did prompt us to go into legal action very quickly. Um, and it removed my son from the situation for a solid month. Like I had him full custody. <clears throat> and quite honestly, that is an answer to prayer that I've had since before my son was born, that he would always protect Austin and keep him safe. And as a parent, I think most of us can attest to, it is really easy to want to be the protector yourself. Like I want to keep Austin safe out of my own merit, my own desire, my own strength, because that's my kid. And I think a lot of us can attest to that. You don't want to see him go through hardships. You don't want to see him have to walk through what this world offers. You want to keep the joy and the peace that they have. Um, but that is a tall, tall order to ask out of a parent. So regardless, this went through and then prompted even more legal time um, and protection. And it was hard um, because my flesh wanted to rear up and just remove him completely from the situation because I wanted to protect him. Um, but I had to sit there and continually talk to God and pray to him and hand that desire right back over to him because I know he knows my son's steps for the entirety here on earth. He knows where he needs Austin to be. He knows what Austin needs to go through for the ministry that he has for Austin. Um, and so I have to, I just trust that he knows everything, but it was a lot of surrendering and talking to God and being like, God, I'm tired of this. I am tired of battles. I am tired of sitting here and, you know, things come up where we have to take care of it. And can you just take it away? Like, can mm -hmm. you remove this thorn from our flesh and just let us be okay? And that's my like flesh desire that I would have to sit there and give right back to him and then go, but I know you, I know who you are. And I know that you will protect me and that you're my rock and you're our fortress and our refuge. We read Psalm 91 a lot. And just sat in the truth that he's got it and that he'll protect us. And I'll be honest, what we settled on was probably, it was, did not fit to my flesh's desire. So yes, there were some modifications that helped protect Austin, but um, it wasn't that root cause of like, just make this go away. Don't want to deal with this anymore. Um, but he was faithful to put in some protection that allowed my son, who was four at the time, to be able to grow and learn how to fend for himself, to get food, to get water, to get things that he needs. And that was always a concern of mine. Like, what if something goes down and he is not able to get food? He's not able to get water. I would tell God that. I tell my family that. I told the lawyers. And it was a big concern of mine and God provided and put in protection to where 
he was able to be in an environment that allowed him to grow to age almost, I think five and a half before that protection was lifted. But it did spark because we're in litigation. I think anybody that's been through any sort of litigation, including divorce, when you go through that process, it just sparks up a lot of different battles and different communication. And then there's conflict between the two parents because you are in this time period. And so while the big components were kind of taken care of, there was still communication that would happen that would just drum up some of the past. It would be confrontational and it was really hard uh, for me personally. And so walking through that, I definitely grew weary. I was tired Mm -hmm. and had to continually, I think more so than the first couple of years of abiding, surrender all the time and constantly talk to God about it. And then work for the last year, there were several battles. Like it was just been, this year's been like a year of battle, 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 battle. My schedule at work was pretty challenging. I'd be at one location, have to drive down, would get late to the classroom, teach for a couple class periods, drive back up to the pool, be late there, coach, come back down. Um, we had a brand new facility. We were trying to figure out how to operate it and run that. Um, so the workload increased. And then just within the dynamics of being around teenagers, there were several conflicts. So I was exhausted. It was it wasn't just like personal conflict. It was conflict at work. It was conflict at home. And then it was being there for my son and helping him grow and develop and be okay too, to where I was beaten down, exhausted. Um, And so it's been a very, very challenging year. But the the staples have been running to God's word, running to him, being absolutely honest with everything that I'm feeling and what's going on. Um, In reality, being so exhausted, I stopped taking care of myself. I wasn't working out. My nutrition went down. Sleep was not great. Um, And every day, and I would be like, okay, God this is yours. I want to start afresh. Let's start afresh. It's like, it's going to be new. We're going to be okay. And I get up and I get to the pool and boom, there's a battle. And I was like, seriously, oh my goodness. Can we just have a break? I just need a break. I am exhausted. But when I reflect on that time period, um, I was listening to the gospels, just audio recently. And it's like Mary and Martha. I really became in the middle of all the battles, Martha, Mm. go, 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 serve, 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 anxiety and trouble. So while it looked great because I'm work like helping kids grow and I'm mentoring and doing all of these things, um, I wasn't really resting at God's feet. My brain would run wild. I'd get up, I'd still read my Bible, 
but I struggled because my brain had so much going on in it with the world. It was hard. Like I would start to read and then boom, off to another thought and start to read, boom, off to another thought. And I kept talking to God. I was like, God, this is so hard. I just want to be present. I just want to rest with you. Like I've experienced in the past couple of years and I just, I can't seem to conquer it. So through that time and through the battles, I can say that God was completely faithful to me the whole time, working everything out. And it was, so we're going from April to March of this to where when it came up to review the protections that were in place, I had no fight physically left in me to want to take it on my own. I had to go to God and be like, I don't want to run through this again. Like I did before. I want you to take this. I cannot, I'm going to try not to cry. I, I just, I can't, I can't do it. And, um, I was like, I know, you know, what's best for him. This scares me. Having this in place gave me some comfort, but it scares me that this is being lifted, but I'm going to trust you because I have read your word and I see how you have shown up for your people time and time again. And I know that you've shown up for me time and time again, and that you've got Austin in your hands and you know, his days. And so I was able to walk through that modification with more freedom um, and know that Austin's going to be okay. And then going through that process, um, I'm, I'm very thankful for it because he has provided, but through abiding, he's even shown me, you know, I processed all the hurt and pain that was formed against me when I started abiding. But recently, the weight that I've been carrying is I've never processed my shame in my rebellion against him throughout my life. And so I was still carrying that and trying to hide and trying to fight on my own to where now we've had a sweet moment of surrendering and walking through that and asking him to forgive me and heal me of that. Um, and the weight has lifted. So it's, I'm, I'm sitting in Psalms right now. I'm just walking through and writing down his character. So how they describe God. And then I started to do the will statements. So all of his promises too. And after a year of battles, <clears throat> It is one of the most precious things because I feel like I'm reconnecting with God at an intimate level. And it's so consistent. His character is so consistent. He is our refuge, our rock, our fortress. He's our fighter. He is our provider. He's our army. He's everything. He's our salvation. Like we don't earn it. Um, and what I loved walking through this after the year of battles is I used to look at David as very like receiving God's blessings. I was very legalistic before abiding. <clears throat> and one of the things that stood out to me is like, you'll have like, I don't know, six Psalms 
where he is in the midst of persecution and people pursuing him and forming lies against him, which is what I have this past year. And it was so hard. But one of the things that he does so well is he remembers who God is and he remembers what God has done. He shares his heart and he surrenders over the fight over back to God. And say, I need you to fight this for me. I'm going to rest in who you are and what you've done. And so you'll see like <clears throat> several Psalms and then you'll see one where he gets like a break and he's like praising God left and right. And then we're back in it and he's being persecuted and he's got the hardship and he's got the battles, but inevitably he stays focused on who God is and what he's done. And he knows God fights everything for him. And so that's where walking through the divorce, but then even reflecting on my life and how God has provided for me and protected me through so many circumstances, but I just couldn't see it. It has allowed me to develop the trust. Like I know he's going to be there because he's done it time and time again. I mean, I've, I've walked a good portion of this and heard many different parts of this, but even as you lay it out, um, it is, it's a lot and it can almost feel overwhelming just hearing it, but living it. I mean, that is, that's a lot. So I, I just want to start off uh, because you've, you've mentioned quite a bit of scripture, especially in the Psalms, but with this, this, term Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, the, the one who fights our battles. It's this characteristic that you saw in this. And as Ricky astutely pointed out this morning, um, this only happens one place in the Bible where you see Jehovah Nisi. And this is uh, where Moses was fighting the Amalekites. And I, I want to read a little bit because I, I think you can see a couple of uh, parallels in her life, and then an encouragement, not only for you, Allison, but for anyone else who has seen this aspect. So Exodus 17, verse six, then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us to go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him, and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. He said, the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. So I guess my question is, Allison, when, when you hear that section of scripture, 
do you see parallels in your life with this story? And if so, what aspects do you see? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest, what when you're reading that, verse 12, but Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it while Aaron and her held up his hands, one on one on one side and the other on the other side. Um, and then his hands were steady. I think one of the big keys of walking through all of this is, I mean, we re- I think we read it in Romans with a group yesterday, like your sufferings keeping your eyes on your hope rather than your sufferings. Um, it became very easy to get over inundated with the suffering surrounding me to where I grew weary. The thing was, is I was Martha for so long and pouring into everybody else that I sacrificed myself. And like I said, my health, but I also sacrificed my time. So yes, while I was sitting with God and I had y'all with the discipleship, as far as where I live, I did not have community time. And so that stands out to me because one of the things that came to the forefront here and one of the things that I prayed over was like, God, I need, I need people that love you and that are abiding in you here with me. So in these times where I'm growing weary and I am calling out to you, that I also have community to help encourage me back. Um, and so that was a prayer throughout this entire time. And I recognized the need for community to be able to help stand with me in these times. Um, man, I am trying hard not to cry because this is very close to uh, my heart. Um, I do want to mention that God provided. So um, Austin started school this year in pre-K brand new. And one of my prayers was that he would find friends that knew God. And around December, he kept mentioning a kid's name. That's my best friend. And I was like, well, this is new. And they loved each other. And we never really got together outside of school or birthday functions, but as school began to end that mom and I connected and got our phone number, set up a play date and lo and behold, they are strong believers as well. And they were praying over. So he answered that prayer, but then the mom and I just had dinner two and a half hour conversation. They had just moved here like a year ago. And he is providing community for me to stand strong Mm. and try not to cry. So he does hear the prayers. Was it the timing that I wanted? No. Would I have loved it a lot sooner? Yes. But walking through that time period, Has it grown my trust in him? But it also exposed a lot within myself that I was still trying to do on my own. The battles that I was trying to fight on my own. I was like Moses. He was growing weary. 
but I was trying to hold my arms up by myself. It was extremely hard. I think the fact that God is faithful, I love that in that scripture, he promise makes a promise and they, he's never going to let it go. He will always fight. He will never let, let them fall to that. And through this time period, I know that God's always going to fight for me. And even if it's hard, he's always with me, no matter what I do. Um, he hears me. So that's one of the things in the Psalms. I cry out to you, hear my cry. And he hears me. Um, I've had many times where I've learned to start saying that, like, hear my cry, hear what I'm saying and answer me. And inevitably, right after scripture will come that gives me the answer. Um, so if anybody's going through time periods where it's really hard, or they haven't really experienced letting God fight for them. I'd like to encourage you to give it over to him and be patient in the wait because his timing's perfect and he is fighting for you. I have now witnessed many times where it's been a year or two years plus where I have been crying out and struggling within a circumstance. And at the end of that fight, God shows me how he was working all along the way. And then what I love is coming out of that is it's building my trust on him or in him. And it's building my trust to know he's got me and he is fighting for me and he will protect me and he will protect my son. And while I don't understand it, he does. And I love that. And I appreciate you sharing your heart. I know that even just thinking about all that's happened, um, I mean, it can bring, bring a sadness that you had to go through that, but at the same time, the joy that God worked in your life, he didn't give up on you. He didn't turn you over to the winds of the world, though you, you felt it just like Job felt it, just like David felt it, just like many through the scriptures have felt the pains of this world you have too and it hits you in a difficult spot with your son right that's for every parent i think I, I would hope i could say that generalized but for parents in general the children are a, a weak spot in their their life it, it's a very scary position something happens to my kid man i don't know what i would do i hear a lot of parents say that and something happened to your kid and you didn't know what to do, except you you learned um, a little bit of that, and I, I think that's I think that's big, Ricky. Um, you know, from your perspective and seeing this, I'm sure you've seen similar cases. I know you you've heard of cases where uh, this child endangerment or safety issues have come up, and unfortunately, they have not gone uh, quite as well as Allison's. Um, what would you say in this? this case? Well, I would 
I point in the same direction that two of you have done this morning. I think that I think your example of Exodus 17 is really a great place in the Word of God, because while this is a um, an incredible event in the life of Moses and the nation of Israel as they were wandering in the wilderness, the principle of God's faithfulness, you know, so the 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 term Jehovah Nissi, um, or the maybe better pronunciation of God's name Yahweh, and then the 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 term the Hebrew term for banner. God is the standard bearer, the banner over our life. And if you look at when you look back at that that historical event, God provided Aaron and some fellow by the name of Ur. Uh, I heard a preacher one time say it was a woman. Aaron and her held the, held held his hands up <laughs> uh, because. Uh, because Moses got tired, right? Standing there holding the staff of God, which is another reminder because God gave this staff and there's no power in the staff. The staff is an instrument by which we're reminded that God is, is with Moses, right? You know, he taps it against the rock and the water flows from the rock. He, you know, he took it before Pharaoh in the whole speeches of of the Exodus, all of these things. And so it's always a reminder to, you know, turn our eyes upon Jesus, turn our, our heart and our, our mind to God. And and so then Allison's testimony bears witness to this eternal truth that God will never let us down. So the the folks in the valley fighting the battle, they would grow weary. They would look up and see Moses with the arms and his arms held high and the staff of God. And they would rally, right? Uh, if his arms were lowered, uh, the enemy would begin to gain the advantage. That's exactly what Allison has shared with us. When, when she would begin to look to herself, and by self, we're talking at that point about the old habituations, the old <clears throat> dependencies upon the patterns of the world. That's when things begin to get shaky. And man, when you're talking about the safety of a child, our, our own child, not, I can't imagine too many things that are more fraught with danger on every level because we want our children to be safe. But sometimes the safety of the child is the safety that God and God alone can provide. Uh, a phrase I learned long ago is, or sentence, whatever. There are some things human hands can do. There are other things that only the hands of God can do. And oftentimes when the hand of God is active in our life, he may use someone else's hand someone else's word, someone else's presence. But as with Moses, so with our situation, always looking to the Lord. Um, in in our podcast with the other Allison, Allison with two L's, one of the things she referred to was just being, you know, fixated on on the Lord. 
And we, we even see that word in the New Testament, fixing our eyes upon Jesus. In every case that I've been involved with that's similar in any way to, to yours, Allison, victory came when they came to the same conclusion you did. Um, I, I will return to the Lord. I will rest in the Lord. And, 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 and what I really revel in with what you're saying is you have learned from Jesus that whole uh, equation when Jesus says, as I abide in my Father, as I abide in my Father's love, as I abide in my Father's words, you abide in me, you abide in my love, you abide in my words. And so they all they go hand in hand, no, no pun intended with the use of the hand image, but they go together, right? The will of God, the love of God, the word of God, and God Himself, because those are the those are the extensions of who He is. That's how we see Him and, and know Him, and so trusting in those moments. Well, then you continued to share with us. You would go back to the Psalms. God would lead you through the Psalms, and then that truth that you hid away in your heart would come back to you in moments of stress or whatever it might happen to be. You would see the parallels, but you would then be reminded, wait a minute, this is God illuminating my heart with his own words, his own eternal everlasting truth. That really is a summation of what it means to abide in Christ. And I, I we can't stress this enough, right? And it's what we, our hearts cry for people to understand this that God shows or proclaims himself to us, as Jesus said in John 14, by repeating his word to us that we've hidden away in our heart. And that reminds us that here he is present in my life. This too is left in his hands. I think there's a question that needs to be asked. If you played that scenario over in other people's lives, and I, I've been with some folks whose children were in jeopardy due to, you know, a household breaking up for 10, 15 years, the entire life of a, of a child growing up. And that particular conflict was never resolved in the courts. And in early adulthood, then that young person has to wrestle with this stuff that they that that the courts did not assist one of the parents in providing the safety that we we long for. Well, now is that an indicator that God was not involved? No, not at all, uh, because while we see the story of Moses. And he raises his hand and the rod of God is in his hand and the Israelites have victory. We could point to a lot of other places where the victory didn't come. Didn't come. And and you even alluded to that, uh, Allison, when, you know, you're crying out, you know, Lord, remove this thorn from my flesh. That's a, that's a direct illumination of 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 
12, I think, where the Apostle Paul, you know, asked God, Lord, please remove this thorn in my flesh. Now, uh, it's a discussion as to what the thorn in the flesh was for him. But God said, no, in this case, my grace will be sufficient for you. So apparently, Paul was never delivered from that earthly problem. But he learned to be content in the Lord. That's a that's a difficult pill to swallow. It really but we, is. But we all know this has to be true. This has to be true. Someone would say, well, why does it have to be true? Why can why can God not deliver us every time? Well, he can. So the better question is, why does he not always give us the positive outworking that we want? I don't know. Only God knows. But here's the evidence that that his way is better than our way. History is uh, painted red with the with the blood of violence. If there was not a good God in the universe, the human race would have extinguished itself long time ago. God has a long-range plan in mind. And sometimes we hurt and we endure pain that we have not created. Somebody else has created it for us. We're traumatized by it. But God, while he never promises that he will remove us from that pain every time, he does promise he will be with us all the time through that pain. If we can trust God about that on our own behalf, how much more important is it for us to trust God on behalf of the ones we love the most, like our littles, like our littles? And I will, <clears throat> one of the things that's helped me in that, Ricky, is especially with this and knowing that there's a good possibility that it won't be completely removed in a conversation with God and reflecting on my own life. I've gone through some serious hardships that I know my parents would, would have jumped in and swept me away if they could mm -hmm. have. However, going through those hardships not only have brought me closer to God and understanding his healing and making it from like my head knowledge of growing up what I know about God to a true relationship and knowing him, but now I can, it's a ministry. Mm -hmm. So I get to, I can empathize with people all over through some very dark times and hardships and sit there and go, I hear you. Like, I just like one of the things I had an eating disorder in college and I'm around kids and the lie of your body needs to be a sp specific way. I can sit there and go, I know what you're going through. I hear you. Here's what happened to me. And yeah. then I'm right back to God's word. And yeah. it, I'm, I know my parents would have loved to rescue me through all of that. But I, I wouldn't change it because like what it's done in my relationship with God and then what I can do and how he can use that here on earth to help bring others 
to him instead of trying to rely on their own flesh or other people to bring them validation and love and acceptance, they can run to him. And I can encourage them back to them and say, I've done this. I've tried to run to the world. I've tried to go to people. I've tried all of these aspects. It does not work. Right. Yeah. Only person that will bring you the steadfast love and validation and purpose and identity that you are so searching for is him. And so I hold fast to that and knowing that God brought me through everything that I went through and has brought healing that I know that he will do the same for my son, whether the circumstances change or not. I know that in dire need, he will be there. Will he pull him out of it? Maybe, but will he be there? Absolutely. And it's something that I can now even tell my son, God is with you always. Sometimes he takes us away from the situation, Austin, but a lot of times he's just right there with us, comforting us, directing our steps, holding fast to us. Yeah. So we get to talk about that now where I look back on my childhood and quite often a lot of my peers, and that's not really something we talked about. Because you didn't have, like, we didn't come from broken homes. We didn't have the hardships that necessarily we see here. Yeah. And a lot of my friends did. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I want to also be quick to say it doesn't mean that we stop and do nothing when people are in jeopardy. Right. You know, God directs us to partner with him and champion the cause of the disadvantaged disadvantaged in every way conceivable we have to be really wise we have to be smart we have to be shrewd we have to be steadfast we have to be strong we have to but all that requires us depending on the lord the way you're talking about and as we do so he can guide us and direct us and we need to do everything we can to be an advocate for the best safety protocols possible for for not only our own littles, but all the all the children of the world and and every human being that's, that's out there, uh, we need to rescue everybody that we potentially can. But we need to recognize that in that struggle, we are in a, a combat zone on this planet. There is a spiritual battle afoot, and people get hurt. In, in in warfare mm-hmm. and the ultimate solution of course will be when God says the time for the fulfillment of this era of history is now upon us and there will be that ultimate rescue the purposes and the plans of God in redeeming this lost humanity are his and his alone to fully comprehend. So we, so I, I know that in those situations that you were talking about, I'm confident, you know, you would, you did your fair share. You were there, you were a mama bear, you were protective, but there were those times when you had to say, 
I, I don't have another thing that my hands can do. And it, those are the most important times when we go, some things earthly hands can do, other things only the hand of God. And let me trust, trust and have confidence in you, my Jehovah Nisi, that you are my banner. I will hold my hands up to the Lord. I will let people see the staff of God, as it were, in, in my hands, as the people of Israel saw in the life of Moses on the on the hillside. And that's going back where... to your Hi, Chris. Uh, I was gonna say going back to your original question, Ricky, that you asked, um the the hypothetical posit of well, why doesn't God just rescue us in, in every single one of these? Well, what if God answered our prayers exactly how we asked? We would miss out on a lot. A lot of times when we're in these struggles, like Allison was in and still is, when we're in these struggles, our only thought is the breath. Let me take a breath. Let me get out of this. Let me be rescued from this. But yeah, yeah. you see the, the whole yeah. of the struggle between even Peter talks about it. Paul talks about it. The struggles are what drew Allison closer to the Lord, right? And so I'm reminded of Job when he's first talking to Eliphaz and Bildad and you know Zophar, whatever they are. His his request at that point, which he lost all seven sons, three daughters, thousands of camels, donkeys, oxen, servants. He lost everything but his wife. And even his wife said, you know, you're done. Curse God and die. Just, and that was his prayer was, not to curse God, but he said, I cursed the day I was born. You know, mm -hmm. I, I wish it had never come. Essentially, he's saying like, you know, I'm not going to kill myself, but God, if you just rescue me from this by just taking my life, just allow me to be done with all of this. I don't want to suffer anymore. My body is riddled with boils. Well, okay. I, a lot of us can, you know, reconcile with that. But what did God bring at the end? Like double everything that Job had. Does that mean that we're all going to get, you know, double our current bank account, which may not be that much, right? Double the amount of everything else in our life. No, but what did God give him? A rich blessing more than what he had ever received before. And I think we see that in your faith, Allison, you know, walking right. with you for two and a half years, I see a huge change in your faith and how you look at different things. And we'll, we'll talk about the disciple here in a little bit. But I think that's a big part of that. And then another aspect that uh, I, I was thinking was was the battles. Like you could have taken this the other way and said, I will fight tooth and nail like mama bear and I will not let up on this and I will continue to take this to court and I will go more into debt to make sure that my child is safe. I will attack. I will I will use every resource possible on this planet to win this battle. You could have said that. Mm -hmm. And you would have been taking the battle into your own hands, not necessarily, you know, the fighting. We, we saw, obviously, Moses sent Joshua down to fight with the army. But Moses knew that the product of whatever the faith was or whatever their obedience to God was, would be the ultimate result of the battle. And so that's where our our alignment of what we're what our hope is in, what our source is in 
really plays a part in this battle of our faith. Your yeah, hope amen. and your your alignment was that God would ultimately protect your child, whether it was in 20 years helping to heal their heart from all this, or whether it was immediately protecting them and, and removing them from the safety. You knew that God was sovereign in that. You said, I think the word you said is you knew every step he'd take on this earth. And so you put your faith in that and did the work that you were called to. But here's an example in the Bible where someone did the opposite, even though they had faith in God. We have the boy king Josiah, if you're familiar with him. He's the one that brought massive reforms to Israel. He was the one that during their time they found the, you know, some scrolls that had not been seen before. And he had it read aloud uh, to all of Israel. And they all swore an oath that, yes, we would uphold this. So great. Like he, he has brought more reform into Israel than anyone else. But here's where he failed. He took a battle into his hands, which he was not meant to fight. He went actually against the Lord and fighting for this battle because he thought in his own mind, you, you know, we can infer this, that he thought it was right to go and to approach the Egyptian king who was going north to fight, not against him, but against some of his northly neighbors, right? Northerly, 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 his northerly neighbors. We find um, the big part of it in uh, in second chronicle chapter 35 and, and i want to read this because i think there are a lot of parents that might do this there are a lot of um, single people that might do this and they want to take this battle because they feel like it's a, a hill that they should die on and i want to encourage you to listen to the sage words that allison had and build it on faith said after all this when Josiah had set the temple in order, Necho, king of Egypt, came up to make war at Carchemish on the Euphrates. And Josiah went out to engage him. But Necho said, uh, sent his messengers, saying, What have we to do with each other, O king of Judah? I am not coming against you today, but against the house with which I am at war. And God has ordered me to hurry. Stop for your own sake from interfering with God who is with me, so that he will not destroy you. However, Josiah would not turn away from him, but disguised himself in order to make war with him, nor did he listen to the words of Necho from the mouth of God, but came to make war on the plain of Megiddo. The archers shot King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, take me away, for I'm badly wounded. He ended up dying from that mortal wound. This was a king that was among the top, if you read through the history of Israel. And would have been great, great, great if he had lived the full reign. But he took a battle into his hands. He was not meant to fight. And in his case, it killed him. But there are many other ways that we can see that destroying you financially. You could have taken this to court for years and years and just been destroyed financially, never really recovering from that. Or you could have alienated your son uh, through, you know, a different situation or, or alienated your son from any chance of having a relationship, um, with his father. And, and all of these things could have been outcomes, but the encouragement is Moses sat on the top of that hill, obedient to the Lord. And when we do that, we find our faith built, our hope is built, and ultimately, we find the Lord continues to work his life in, uh, in our lives and in our kids' lives. And I think your, your testimony is absolutely a testimony of that.
And I think that's great. I, I, I encourage you. Um, I encourage you like uh, the Lord encouraged Moses, write this down and, and share it with others. You know, our podcast is Memoirs of Abiding. A memoir is a, is a writing, a collection of some event. Make this a memoir of your abiding so that you can look back on this, but so that others can read this as well. What a, what a blessing. I agree. And I thought about when you said, if they deliver, if God would deliver us, judges came to mind with Gideon. And when they called all of Israel and he reduced them saying, this is too many, lest you boast that you did it. And I think if I did it by my own hands all the time, I would not depend on God. My eyes would shift from God to this world. Even though he was the one that delivered me every time. Yeah. Eventually, I would just think it was me. You, yeah. Now, you you obviously knew all of this from an early age, right? You knew how to surrender this. This this came natural to you, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, I was thinking about that because prior to walking in this discipleship, when battles would come up, instead of fixating my heart and mind on God, which I knew to run to him, like that was instinctual. But what I would do is I would have other people pray for me. Like, hey, this is coming up. God, help God answer this prayer specifically. Um, But in all honesty, I'd also run to those people to solve it for me. I wouldn't run to God. I would run to people for advice and circulate through until I found the answer that best suited the desire of my flesh to answer that problem. So yes, I was praying or having other people pray for me, but the prayer was directly associated with my flesh desire. Mm. Um And I think that's one of the biggest, I remember when we read through James, it was like this light bulb that went off and I was like, you don't get what you ask for because it's to serve your own purposes. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's what I've been doing for the entirety of my life. Yes, I'm, I'm praying. I would read the Bible for information because I was told throughout my entire life, you need to read God's word. You should memorize God's word. And I definitely had the legalistic side of workspace faith in the sense of if I read my Bible enough, God will bless me. (laughs) If I read my Bible enough, um, I will see in this world what I desire. And I, I looked at people around me. I mean, I grew up and I went to a private Christian school in high school. And so we were all believers and you would see, I would see peers that had what I desired. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is the way we we go. And uh, needless to say, my flesh desires were not like going to the Olympics did not happen for me. And that was a very big one. Um, And walking through the discipleship, I have learned to recognize my desire 
and then be able to talk to God and say, well, this is what I really want. And this is the desire that my flesh is bringing up right now. But I hand that over to you and I ask you to make my desire match yours. And I go back to, okay, you are my refuge. You are my strength. You're my steadfast love. You're my faithfulness. And then I remember what he does. I think that's the biggest one I've learned through this past year is remember what he has done. I would go over who he is, but to sit there and reflect on what he's done um, is a big component of it. Uh, as far as, and then I'm not running to people either. I'm not going, hey, how do I solve this issue? I'm walking through this. What do you think? And the amount of battles I faced this year that kind of flared up a little bit where I wanted to talk to people more, but only God can provide me that answer. And inevitably when I sit there and I pray and I tell him everything that's going on and the desire of my heart, he answers me through his word very quickly and provides me with his truth. And it's like the coolest experience ever. Cause it's not like when I get it from people, you know, when you run to other people, you'll get their advice and you feel like seen and heard for like a moment. And you're like, this is, this is good. I'm going to go this route. I'm going to fight it this way. And then inevitably more battles come up or anxiety comes up or fear comes up because you're doing it. And I have found by going to God and getting his truth and his truth spoken to me through his word. It's a peaceful answer. Like I can go and I have that answer and I'm like, okay. And then I can keep going and I have peace. It's not me second guessing myself and then going, okay, I need to go talk to somebody else about this. And walking through the discipleship, learning to surrender over every part of me is one of the greatest tools I've ever received to where I can sit with God and abide in his home because I am not distracted by my own desires. I am not distracted by this world. I know that the things of this world do not hold an ounce to God. What he provides me, nothing, no item, nothing can change. And it's, it's beautiful. Like I'm getting ready to move and I got to reflect and go, wow. In that time period, I hate shopping, but inevitably I, I bought stuff. <laughs> like I have so much stuff and I'm like, why do I have this? Wow. I was running to materials to kind of fill that hole. Well, I'm giving that over to you. I'm cleaning out this morning and I'm listening to my Bible while it goes and it talked about the man that came up to Jesus and said, how do I get everlasting life? And he said, well, follow what Moses says. And he lists out the commandments and goes, well, I've done this since birth. And Jesus looks at him fondly and he says, but you're missing one thing, sell off everything you have and follow me. And I'm looking around and I'm like, holy cow, I'm selling off everything I've got so that I can be free from the material and follow you. I just love 
I've been a part of a lot of Bible studies. I grew up in the church. We did youth group. Grew up hearing God's word. I read God's word. We had devotional time at home. Uh, Again, Bible study after Bible study. And when I say Bible study, sometimes it was reading in the Bible, but a lot of times it was reading books that people wrote that included scripture. And I was stuck on this trail of continually going to my flesh and not realizing it. It it took, we're talking about hardships and battles. It took a divorce to wake me up and go, I can't, like, this is so heavy. Like we're talking about the safety of our kid. It's so heavy that I know I can't carry it. It's got to go to you, God. It forced me to kind of start that process of surrendering and going, I know you've got it. Um, and then even reading my Bible, like I said, it was a task, check it off, read it. Um, definitely not sitting and rereading it over and over in one scripture meditating. I read that most of my meditating on his word. Didn't really know what that meant. I thought that meant I needed to take it in my own hands. I needed to memorize the scripture because we, I heard that so many times. However, I've learned to sit there and like a couple of verses will sit out. And then the rest of the day I can be like, Hmm. And meditate on those couple of pieces that really stood out to me with God and pray about it and ask him to do that in my life. And so it's, it's such a sweet way to read the Bible. It makes it easier to go to the Bible and read. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, we, we continue to bring up the pillars of abiding. These are just talking points that I've come up with Ricky, when I went through the discipleship with you and, um, you know, I had done Bible studies very similar to you. Um, I had run to other people very similar to you. And when I, when I started walking through this, there was like a common couple of themes. And so just reviewing that, reading God's word for transformation, not for the information. And, you know, that was one of the things that you learned over the course of this discipleship was how to read God's word in the way it was intended to be read, which is to truly renew your mind, to change your, your perspective of things, not necessarily to have knowledge, uh, even theological knowledge, right? And the second one, which is the hardest, I think, for most people is learning to live dependent on the Lord through surrender and submission. And this is, this is a difficult skill to learn because it requires you even in the midst of the fiery furnace to give it over to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I, there's no way I can fight this. There's no way that I can win this. I see no way out of this, but I know that you are ultimately sovereign over everything. And I give you this little bit and then maybe a little bit more and a little bit more. And, and as I live my life and I go through these struggles, just as you, you have represented, you gave a little bit more each time and you found that your hope was not misplaced. And that hope being upheld through the faithfulness of the Lord 
resulted in the building of faith in you. And each time that hope was renewed, each time he was with you through that situation, your faith was made greater by his work, right? And that's that's why the Lord is the one who built faith, because the Lord is the one who upholds the hope. The Lord is the one who ultimately is faithful, and, and only through that is our faith built. And you've seen that, and that's allowed you then to turn around and surrender the huge things, the safety of your child uh, into the hands of the Lord. And that is it's remarkable, um, remarkable for everyone, not, not just you, but everyone who is able to do that. It takes uh, takes a lot of skill, right? A lot of training um, over time. And we don't we don't get that from, you know, a couple of weeks of reading God's word and say, OK, this is simple. This takes a, a lifetime of continuing to abide in the Lord. And, and finally, the last skill set or the last theme is just listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and, you know, hearing the scripture come into your head and, you know, hearing uh, the Psalms come into your mind and think, you know what, this is what I need to do right now. I just need to pray that the Lord will hear me. I, I need to pray that, right? Like that, that's one of the things. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit bringing that to your memory so that you can pray those same things into your life. And uh, man, that is an amazing uh, theme that we see throughout this discipleship of abiding, but more so through the, the scriptures to really listen for the, the illumination of God's word in our minds and how it is able to help us for anywhere from, you know, David all the way to Jesus. We see this theme. So what an amazing testimony of, at the, as far as, you know, just what I've seen, those, those three pillars of abiding. Uh, and it continues to grow and grow and grow. And, and I love seeing, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. Ricky, I'm sure you've seen the same thing in, in some of the groups that you've run and it's, it is so encouraging, and, and Ricky, correct me uh, if I'm if I'm off, or maybe you feel the same way. But it's when I when I'm in these groups and I see people like Allison or or like the other Allison, the double Allison group, or others in these groups, and they're starting to abide in the Lord, and I almost feel I, I can sense the same feeling that Paul felt as he wrote to the church in Corinth, or as he wrote to the Thessalonians. And, you know, just an encouragement to see that some of them were holding fast to the gospel that was preached and, and they were growing and they were they were expanding out and they were giving to these people or they were building the faith of these people or they were calling out, you know, these false teachers. Man, it is it is so encouraging because we get to be a part of this and to see the Lord's work in the lives of the Allisons everywhere. Right. Yeah, for sure. And you know what I think is really exciting about what you just said? And, you know, we all need to be involved in that process, but <laughs> it's going to be exciting over the years to, to hear from Allison regarding her little one and, and how he learns <clears throat> to abide in the Lord and how how rich that will be because he's going to be receiving it at an early age as opposed to waiting until we're you know 
in our 20s or 30s or uh, anytime is the right time to get started, right? Indeed. But if if I only disciple one person, if, if the Lord uses me to help one person in all the world, how wonderful if it's my child. Right. And then the Bible talks about that, right? You know, to share these things with the next generation. Tell them about the glory of God in the past. Remind them of the great deeds of God in the past, that they too might share in this inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, you talked about the surrendering and depending on God and the difficulties of that. I know when we started off, quite often I'd be like, I honestly would be like, okay, God, I've surrendered this over to you. Wash my hands, boom, done. It should never come back up in my life again. And I know that we've talked about it before and I mentioned it in our time, Chris, early on. Why can't I just get this done? Especially in a world that's so busy today. And we want these instant gratifications and results. I've learned to then be able to encourage people and be say, it's okay. And it's a constant surrender and it's okay because the healing that you're going to get, the trust that you're going to get, the love that develops between you and God, where, you know, Isaiah, that he is our husband was reading that in Hosea too. You will call me husband. That is so firm and such an intimate relationship. It's worth continually surrendering and waiting because I have tried the other ways of instant and it it's just a band-aid. The band-aid falls off and we're right back at square one. And I am recognizing how that surrender process and depending on him is providing complete healing and we talk about deliverance. I remember reading Psalm 91 through these battles and going, you say you, you promise I will deliver you. Why are you not delivering me? Like it's right there. That's a promise. You are the promise keeper. You're not going to um, break that. And then God's like, I will. And then it, it may be on this side of heaven or it may be when we're in heaven, but he's going to deliver so it could be the result here, but eventually I know I'm going home and I'm going to be free from all of this. Yeah. And that was transforming for me because I got so stuck on deliverance here on earth, but he does, he will, he'll deliver us. And it may be here, but ultimately he will, and we'll get to be home with him and free from the pain and the hardships and everything. And what a, what a beautiful, beautiful position to be in. Um, and Ricky, it looks like you want to say something, but I want to wrap up right after what you're about to say. Um, I do. I think uh, that, that is solid. So Ricky. Yeah, just real quickly. So I, uh, the, the thrill of hearing what you're saying, Allison, is on so many levels. For instance, we could ask the question, you know, did you set out to... Uh, 
to allude to so many different passages of the scripture this morning? And I think the answer is no, not really. I didn't write all that down, but but I'm trying to reflect back. It's been the book of James, Hosea, Isaiah, Psalms, and and every time every time we meet on on the Zoomcast, you're doing that. Was it your intention to become the uh, the Bible reference lady? Was it your intention to become the 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 scripture source lady? No, but the very thing that happens in the life of believers when we abide in the Lord's word is we develop this hunger for it and we stay with it. And lo and behold, exactly what Jesus has said begins to happen. I will remind you, the spirit will remind you, the father will remind you of all these things that we have taught you. Our, you know, or the promise of the new covenant given to us through Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. My word will be in your heart and upon your lips. You know, and so everything you talk about in reference to your relationship with the Lord, you in partnership with God, God generates these these references while you're talking in real time, this passage, this passage. And it's like, you're just plucking them out of the, you know, out of the sky or whatever, but it's not that it's God reminding you, God reminding you. So even this morning, the, the whole process of abiding has been talked about, but it's also been demonstrated in real time as God has has reminded you of passages of scripture. Same thing with you, Chris. Were you planning on talking about Josiah today? I don't know. Huh, you know, um, it's, 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 ah, <laughs> try not to get very boomer like I did last week. Chris, can I like say one more thing encouragement wise? I know we want to wrap up, but yeah. reflecting on this past time period, um, and I hear this a lot. It, we're just so busy. Like you were talking about that, Ricky, God's words coming. I did not. I have a couple of notes down. I did not have all these scriptures written down. It was not <laughs> planned. Right. It's just where God took the, the conversation. And that was the one thing I said before this, God, this is yours. That the words that come out of my mouth be for you and you alone and your purpose and your your purpose alone. That's where my heart was. And, you know, quite often we're so busy. And I, I look back onto the heaviness of the battle that I, I was so weary and exhausted. And I knew I would run to God and I had his word, but my flesh really desired relief. And I would like to encourage people to maybe look at what's in their life that they're trying to find relief from whether it be material items, which is only adding stress because you have more to upkeep. One thing for me was TV. So I would get lost because I just wanted my brain to shut off. I would get lost in that. And I've started a, to, I've removed it from my life recently. And holy moly, do you have a lot more time for God's word? <laughs> like that working out this morning being able to put the Bible on and listen to it. 
sitting down, being able to pause and reflect on God's word because you don't have those distractions. Another thing for me was maybe, you know, saying yes and trying to take on too many items in this world under the disguise of helping others. And so I've learned to remove one aspect of that from my life. It was a challenging thing recently, a lot of prayer. It's something I've done for nine years and I love being able to help those that I've worked with, but I recognize that I need to rest at his feet and not be Martha. And so I've been able to say I'm done because I need to run to you. You are the priority. That's great. And I encourage all of our listeners, as we've encouraged you the past few podcasts, find a biblical mentor, find a leader in your church, find um, us. You can go to memoirsofabiding.com and we've got groups that meet and just get connected more than just a Bible study. An eight-week or a 10-week won't get you there. You, you need someone to walk with you through the scriptures. You need someone to walk with you through the application of this in your life so that you can start to grow. And we said this before, this is the discipleship that we're talking about here was modeled by Jesus and continued through the, the New Testament church and Acts. And we're just trying to get back to the fundamentals of what Jesus taught and not only in abiding, but also in teaching abiding. And um, so I encourage you to, to find someone to reach out and to really dive in deep with them in your faith and allow the Lord to grow you through that, that process. And um, again, if you have any questions, you can reach out Chris at memoirs of abiding.com Allison with one L at memoirs of abiding.com. Um, and then, you know, we can, we can answer if we can't, we can, you know, shoot some scripture to you and you can look through the, the scriptures, but definitely, um, definitely keep that in mind as you walk through this week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray over all those who are under the sound of our voice and even more, Lord, as, as you spread your, your influence throughout the world uh, through your saints, through your missionaries, I pray that there'll be a renewed desire for abiding in you, that those in China, that those across Asia and Africa and Australia, in Europe and South America and Antarctica and North America and Oceania, Lord, that all of your people around the world would seek you, would seek this deep faith-built relationship on you. And I pray that that would encourage and that that would build up. Even when the world is struggling for identity and fighting and, and violence is being spewed, mass graves are all over the world, mass trafficking of human beings is all around the world. Lord, we ask that your people would be able to step into the, the vacuum of morality and that they would be able to show the world your light would show the world a representation of you, a reflection of you, and uh, and help those who are broken to see healing through you, to help those who have lost hope and are in despair, despondency, to see that there is hope in you and that you are ultimately Jehovah Nisi. Uh, you are ultimately 
Jehovah Jireh, you are ultimately Jehovah Rapha, you are the healer, the provider, the banner, and we just need to depend on you for our salvation, whether it's ultimately our salvation or even through certain situations, salvation or no. So we ask that you will spread your word across this planet and, uh, and use individuals like Allison to be a testimony to your faithfulness. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. So we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening, and God bless.